Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. The third week of a series we're doing called Confident. Say that with me, Confident. Confident. Our key verse is from Hebrews 1, uh, sorry, 11.1. 1. We probably all know it. It says this, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. How good is it to have faith to believe that what we're hoping for is going to happen, right? That's so good to do that. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith is the confidence. We've been saying this over the weeks, that God is who He says He is and that He will do what He said He will do. God, we're believing that you are who you are and you will do what you said you will do. That is faith in actions in our lives. Week one, we spoke about how the enemy knows he can't take your calling. He can't take the call of God upon your life. Let me tell you today, church, he has no authority. He has no permission to do that. But what he will do is that he will get you to surrender your confidence. So we can't take your faith, but he'll, uh, he'll try to get you to surrender your faith. And uh, we looked at two reasons we can throw away our confidence. Week two, which was last week, we talked about how God wants us to live with confident humility. Confident humility. It is only in God that we can experience those two things in conjunction together, confidence and humility. Because without God, confidence turns into arrogance. Or humility can turn into weakness. And so with God, we can have confident humility. And if you miss those messages, you can see them online on our podcast, on our YouTube channel. Next Sunday, we're going to continue and wrap up our confidence series. And Pastor Gabby is going to be preaching. So I'm looking forward to that. She's going to bring an amazing word. So make sure you are here. Invite someone to come to church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time here together this morning. I pray that you would anoint these words as I speak them. I thank you. Your scripture is already anointed because it is the inspired word of God. So we just pray that we would receive it and hear from you today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Open your Bibles this morning. We're going to jump straight into it to 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. And we're going to look at a popular Bible story uh, that you may know, whether you've been in church or you're just new to church or never been in church. I'm, I'm going to guess you know this story. And uh, it's a story of confidence, faith, and courage. So let's read this. The Philistines now mustered their army to battle and camp between two cities. Saul counted by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Who were the, Isra- who were the Philistines? The Philistines were a bunch of people who uh, were in the land before the Israelites came to the land. They, they were the, the inhabitants and they were a, a fierce nation of, of fighting people, mighty warriors. And they were innovative in using iron. And a lot of the nations at the time were still using bronze implements, but they were using iron, which is stronger, tougher. Uh, you can do more things with it. And so they had this technology that made them more advanced. And even the Israelites at the time were still using bronze. And any iron implements that they did have, they had to go to the Philistines to ask them to sharpen them or repair them. And we can see that in the scriptures it talks about that. And it's funny how today um, we might call someone a Philistine, right? Have you ever heard that expression? And usually when we're saying it, we're saying it because it's like a... a, a, a unsophisticated, uncultured person, right? And we use it as a derogatory term. Well, you know, I know we don't, but other people might do that, right? The thing is that they were actually quite a sophisticated, cultured 
people of their time. And so it's, it's very unusual that we would call people Philistines because they were actually, several gen, for several generations, more advanced than the Israelite culture, more advanced than Israelite technology, and, and just were a, a nation uh, that was more influential in their time. Continues on to verse 4 in chapter 17. Then Goliath, say it with me, then Goliath. A Philistine champion from Gath came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He's just a little bit taller than me, like I'm about eight and a half. He was nine feet tall. Uh, and it says he wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. That's like 50 kilos that he's just carrying of chain armor. That's a lot of weight to be carrying on your body. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam. So when you go and see that weaver's beam this week, wow, that's what Goliath was covering. <laughs> What's a weaver's beam? Tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. This guy's the real deal. Okay, he's legit. Okay, uh, he, he comes out and he challenges the armies of Israel. And so Israel, they're going into this battle. They're already behind technologically. They've got bronze weapons. The, the Philistines have got iron weapons. And then, Garth, uh, then Goliath comes out. Can you imagine it? He comes out and, he, and he's standing there before them. And if they weren't already intimidated, seeing Goliath would be the final straw. Like this is the final straw. And today I want to ask you, have you ever felt outmatched or overwhelmed in your life only for then a Goliath to come your way? Only then for a giant to step out and to, to meet you in this place where you already felt like you were going through something. You already felt like life was too difficult and you wanted to run for the hills. Maybe you were a new parent, and like that's hard enough already, right? If there's any new parents here today, you're learning on the, on the run, you're learning on the fly, and then if that wasn't hard enough, then your child was always sick, like, like just something additional that you have to face. Uh, what about this? You're already wondering how your marriage would survive, and then you found out that your husband had a porn addiction. It's already something going on, but there's something additional added to it. How about this? Your business is already struggling, your small business, and then two of your staff out of a team of only five, resign on the one day and you've got all these projects, you don't know how you're going to finish these jobs, there's a Goliath that comes your way. When you're already down is when your confidence will be tested the most. Have you ever found that? There's a saying, you know, don't kick a dog when it's down. Life seems to kick us when we are down. It seems to bring Goliaths our way. You know, it's interesting, how do... How did the Israelites know all these details about Goliath? Like, how did they know how tall, his armor, his helmet, his, his shin guards, you know, his spear, all these things? How did they know so much about Goliath? Because they spent so much time talking about Goliath, talking about him, discussing him on their social media, hashtagging him. You know what I mean? Like, they were just talking about him all the time. And in our own lives today, church, in your life and in my life, I wonder how much time I spend talking about the Goliaths in my life, how much energy, how much declaring, how much speaking into the spirit realm, I give permission to the Goliaths, to the, to the giants in my life to, to overwhelm my thinking. And so where do we spend our time looking? Are we looking at our problems, our issues, uh, the things we face? Are we looking at our Goliaths or are we church coming before God and saying, God, I'm going to look to you. No matter what might be in front of me, I'm going to look to you, God. Verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. 
Why are you all coming out to fight? He cried. I am the Philistine champion, and you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then I will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Goliath is standing and saying, fight me. Come on, like, who's going to fight me? He's, he's, he's sending this out and everyone is you know, stepping back. They're trembling. They are shaken. At this moment, for whatever reason, despite all the stories that have been told by their ancestors, despite all the giants they have already fought and defeated in years past, despite all they have seen God do, for whatever reason in this moment, the armies of Israel, the king of Israel, lacked confidence to face Goliath because they lacked faith in their God. They had the God of Israel, of Abraham, uh, Jacob and Israel with them. They had this God and yet they, had, they lacked the faith to face Goliath. And I wonder how many times in our life we have lived the same way. I wonder how many times as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, if you know Jesus here today, we have lived our lives like that where we know that we have God with us. But for whatever reason, the Goliath or the giant that we face has been too much for us. I, I, I must not be the only person, but at times in my life, I too have lacked the faith, the confidence in God to face the situations that I am in. Verse 20 and then 23, we segue, we move away from Goliath and the armies and we segue to this, this, this young man called David. And it says this, so David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse, that's his dad, had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. So they before they leave, they're shouting. They're like, it's like they're, they're just like, you know, motivating themselves to go into the battlefield. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the champion, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the armies of Israel. And as soon as Israelite armies saw him, they began to run away in, in, in fright. <laughs> they began to run away. David's Seemingly, they're by coincidence, right? He's sent by his dad to deliver some food. And he's just there by coincidence, just happens to be standing there where Goliath comes out and he puts his taunts out. And yet, it underscores a theme that is repeated in the life of significant men and women of God that they always seem to be somewhere at the right time and the right place because God has anointed them, appointed them, and called them for that season, for that moment, to be where they're called. And today, church, I want to let you know you've been called, you've been anointed for the season you're in to make a difference in your world and people's lives, in your family, in this church of Elevation Church. They see things and they seize opportunities. And church today, we need to be see and seize opportunity people. We need to see an opportunity and we need to seize it. When someone talks to us about some problems that they're having in their lives, we need to seize that opportunity and tell them about how we've faced things in our lives and how Jesus has been our answer. When someone says they're sick or, they're, or they've got an illness, we need to seize the opportunity and say, hey, I know a God, I believe He heals. Can I pray for you 
today, seize the opportunity like we're about to see David is going to seize the opportunity. The mission, people, is to always point people to Jesus Christ and for it to always be on our minds. David, back in uh, verse chapter 16, was anointed as the king. Uh, this, the prophet Samuel has come. He's anointed Daniel. Uh, sorry, David. He said, one day you will be king. And yet we find that in the, in the moment, he doesn't go to the palace, but he goes back to the pasture. He goes back to what he was doing. He goes back to being a shepherd, to looking after the sheep and, and the goats and all the different animals. And, and he, he's a shepherd boy. And, and now we see that in chapter 17, he, he's not a shepherd Shepherd anymore, he's now an Uber Eats driver. So he's got on his donkey and he's put in the little GPS and he said yes to the Uber Eats delivery. Anyone here use Uber Eats? Yeah, we'll use Uber, use Uber Eats. And so he's destined to be king, but in this time of his life, he's riding around on the donkey delivering food for his older brothers. Serving in the season you're in is what positions you for what's next. God uses an Uber Eats delivery to rescue a nation and to raise David to a national hero. Don't despise the season that you're in. It could be that God wants to do something in your life. It could be that God is preparing you for your next, the next season of life that he has for you. Verse 25, have you seen the giant, the men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give the man one of his daughters for a wife. I mean, imagine if you were the daughter finding out dad's just going to give you away to some bloke. I mean, that's just, that's not very 2022, is it? Definitely not. It's not happening with my daughter. I'll tell you that right now. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. They're trying everything they know to muster up courage amongst the men of Israel. They're trying all the things we know. We read earlier that they had some battle cries and some chants that they were doing. Uh, when I was younger, uh, in university, I went to get a job. I answered in the newspaper. I went down to Spencer Street. And when I arrived there, I didn't know what kind of job it was, but I was sitting in the foyer with a couple of other people, and we started hearing all these chants and shouts and motivational speak speeches that were going. And I was like, uh-oh, I'm in a sales place. I'm going to be doing door-to-door -door sales. So I tried that for like six hours and I got out of there. But they were there jing themselves up, right? They were doing the old hoorah, you know, like they're going out to battle. They tried that. Then they said, well, that's not working so well. So we're going to give a reward for the king's daughter. Ooh la la, the king's, ooh, you know, the king's daughter. And they say, well, we don't know... I mean, yeah, she's beautiful. That's, but what, how about we also give a tax exemption? So cha-ching, tax exemption for the rest. Anyone here like to not pay taxes for the rest of your life? Yes, that would be so fantastic. But no matter what they're doing, no one is coming forward because no one has the confidence or the faith that they can defeat this Goliath. They're hiding in their tents. And I wonder myself, what insulted God more? I wonder if the insults of Goliath taunting the nation of Israel and indirectly taunting God insulted God more. Or I wonder if the lack of faith and the unbelief of the Israelites insulted God more, that they refused to believe that God would come through for them. And I would suggest that the unbelief of Israel was a bigger insult than Goliath's defiance. 26, David asked the soldier standing by, what will, a, what will a man get for killing the Philistine? Who is this pagan that he should be allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And then they told him everything that was going to happen. This is the reward 
that you're going to get if you can defeat Goliath. And then one of his older brothers is standing there at Eliab, heard David talking to the men. He was angry. What are you doing going around here anyway, he demanded. What, what about those few sheep you're supposed to take care of? You know, I know your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have, I, what have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. His older brother's like, man, this guy, ever since he's been anointed with the oil of Samuel, he thinks he's it in a bit. He's here trying to, you know, just scout things out. He's so full of pride. And David's like, no, I'm just asking an innocent question. And the wrong people speaking into your life can kill the life of God in you. And that's why it's important for us to not, to not isolate ourselves, to not separate ourselves from the world, but it's important to have godly men and women who will speak God's truth into our life, who are faithful people, who will encourage us, challenge us, convict us at times, but be there to stir our faith up because we need at times spiritual earplugs to block out all the negativity of the world that is around us. And David is asking a question that all of us should be continually asking ourselves. What's the cost of taking a step of faith? What's the cost of not taking a step of faith? You know, the cost of taking a step of faith in this situation might be that Goliath defeats me, but what's the cost of not taking a step of faith? Goliath, the armies of the Philistines are going to defeat us anyway. And so in our own lives, what's it going to cost me not to step out? What's it going to cost me to step out? What's stopping me from believing in the promises of God that He has declared in His Word and that have been spoken over my life? Uh, Verse 32, uh, David, he managed to get an audience before King Saul. He says, don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. You've got to understand here, this is David before he's a mighty man of war. This is David before he's gone out and fought battles. This is David where he's still young. He hasn't been at war yet. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a bear or a lion came... To steal a lamb with the flock, I go out after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, lions, tigers and bears, oh my. Some people don't get that one, you'll you'll get a little bit later. I've done this with both lions and bears and I will do it to this pagan Philistine. For he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord who rescued me. Get a hold of this church. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Come on, can I get an amen this morning? The key to confidence is making a connection between your last victory and your next battle. The key to confidence, to faith in God, is looking back and saying, God, my last victory, that is the key to my next battle and having victory. Real courage, real character is not learnt in the middle of the battle. 
It is learnt out on the pastures. It is learnt when the lion comes to steal the lamb, the bear comes to take the goat. It's not learnt in the moment where Goliath is right before you. So it's learnt in our daily devotions where we're praying, where we're reading the word. It's learnt in our lives when our children are sick and we stand up as men and women and say, God, I declare wholeness and healing and health over my family. It's in those moments that we learn who we are, where we are, who God is, what God said He will do, and we learn those things. See, you won't be ready for Goliath until God has developed you in the pasture. The training takes place and then the battle begins. And what made David different than all these other people? I want to tell you today, there were men there who had been into battle. There were men there who had killed other men. Sorry sorry to be real today, church. There were men there, battle-hardened men, and yet because they didn't have confidence in God's promises and God's power to fulfill them, God didn't use a man of war. He used a young boy who was a shepherd. David's courage was fueled by his confidence in God's promises and God's power to fulfill them. And David doesn't, here's the thing, David doesn't talk to Saul. He goes, hey, 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 Saul, what you got to know is, man, when I get a slingshot, I'm really powerful. This is the slingshot 5000 model. It's got the extra lever here, good little bit of thing here. This is the weapon I'm going to use. He doesn't talk about his weapon he's going to use. He talks about the God that he serves, the God who's going to strengthen him, the God who's going to bring him victory over Goliath. He talks to Saul about his God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. The size of the, Goliath, of the giant is never the problem. The smallness of our confidence in God is the problem. Church, let's have confidence in God. We said in week one, another word for confidence is faith. Let's have faith in God. He is who He said He is. He will do what He said He will do. The keys could come. That'd be great. Verse 38, then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream put them in his shepherd's bag, then armed with only his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Saul's armor would have been the best armor that Israel had in the land. He's the king. He gets the best, the best weaponry, the best armor. You know, he's an important guy. We want him to have the very, very best, the best ability to fight in the battle. Would have been the very best. And what we need to know is we can't wear the expectation of others as we engage our assignment. David couldn't wear the armor of Saul as he was going out to this next assignment. We can have armor envy. In our lives, we can have armor envy. We can look at the armor that someone else has, the sword, the, the, the shield, the, the mail, uh, the mail that, that they're wearing, the helmet that they've got, and we can be envious of it. We can, we can say things like this, if, if only that was my armor. If only that was my armor. If, if, if she was my wife or he was my husband or if... If I had that much money, if only I had that much money that those people had, or if I was as gifted as that person, or of course God can use them. I mean, look at the armor they've got. Look at the sword that that bloke carries, you know? Like, of course God can use those people. They've got the best armor going around. But all comparison does is kill our confidence and kill our, kill our faith in God. 
And here's the thing, it's, the armor is nothing in itself. The gift that we have from God is nothing in itself. Can I tell you something? What, the power in it is God Himself. The power is God. The power of Saul's armor was the man wearing it, not the armor itself. Who was inside it? And see, the fact is God wants to use the gifts and talents He's given you. He wants to work through what's happened in your past. He wants to use the lessons He's taught you when you were in your pastor, pasture. When you were in the back room, when you were changing nappies, when you were crying in that place, when you were, I don't know, praying to God and, and, and on your knees, when you were facing what it was that you were facing, when it seemed like you'd failed again. God wants to use those moments when it seemed like nothing special was happening in your life. See, don't be envious of the person next to you because God is going to use them, but He doesn't want to use you like He's going to use them. He wants to use you like He wants to use you. And in my walk with Jesus, in my, in my time of pastoring, that's something I've learned. I grew up in church my whole life. I've seen mighty men of God. I've seen people move in amazing giftings of God. And I always said, man, I wish I had that person's armor. I wish I had that person's shield or that person's sword or that person's helmet. Because if I had that, then God could use me in a mighty way. Then I might be, you know, all that God has called me to be. And what I've learned, church, is this. God's called me to be me. He's given me the gifts that I have. I don't have to have someone else's helmet or short sword. I've got my own. God's made me who He's made me. And I don't need to be jealous or insecure that I'm not someone else. I'm me. And church, God's made you, you. Unique, precious, special with all the experiences you've had in your life, your upbringing, the parents that you've had, and whether you were brought up in a Christian home or a non-Christian home, and everything you've experienced, whether you're married or not married or, or separated, whatever it is, God wants to use you how He wants to use you. Too many of us are walking around wearing cumbersome, ill-fitting clothes that were never designed for us and God never called us to wear. Because we think we've got to wear Saul's armor or look like someone or pray like someone or, or, or whatever it might be. And see, David, he had a decision to make. He could go into battle as Saul, wearing Saul's armor, carrying Saul's sword, his shield. Or he could go into the battle as himself, a shepherd boy with a slingshot. But with one big difference, faith and confidence in God. Faith and confidence in God is the great multiplier. It's the great changer of situations, God's presence upon our life. And he decided not to don Saul's armor or brandish, brandish Saul's sword for one very good reason, because he wasn't Saul, he was David. He was David. What's your name today? Who are you today? You're not me. You're not the person next to you. You're, you're you. What's your name? You're not Saul. He was David. He wasn't Saul. He was David. And today, I just want to re-emphasize to someone, if you haven't already picked this, already received it, would you open your heart right now? God wants to use you how He's called you to be used. You're not Saul. You're not David. You're not Bronson. You're not the person sitting next to you. You are you, and God will use you how He's called you to be used. If we would stop living a life that, that says, man, I've got to be like the person next to me or living a life that would believe the lies that might have been spoken over us at one point in time or the condemnation that the devil brings upon us when we, we fail once again because we fall short 
of God's glory and God's plan for our lives or the critics who have pulled you down and spoken over you or the comparisons that we've made to someone else. And if we would start living a life that says, God, I'm going to start listening to you and I want to receive what you have said about me and to, and to receive this simple truth that God made you to be you, to embrace who you are in God and start using the tools that He's given you and allow God to use your life. If you've never heard the story of David and Goliath, spoiler alert, David wins the day. He goes out and fights Goliath. He slings his slingshot, hits him straight in the face. M15 plus about to happen right now, guys. Takes Goliath's sword, chops his head off. It's a pretty, uh, pretty decisive victory, I think, when you're holding your enemy's hand, head in your hand, right? It's all right, church, we can laugh at that. He's a bad guy, so we can laugh at him. David wins. He kills Goliath. But can I tell you something today? David's courage didn't come from self-confidence. We spoke about that last week, how our self-confidence can turn to arrogance. It wasn't because of arrogance. He didn't go into that fight saying, man, I've faced hundreds of men before. I'm a champion. I've beaten them in the battles. I'm just eating a bit. No, his confidence didn't come from that. It didn't come from his tool that he had, his slingshot or the staff that he carried or the five rocks that he had that he picked up from the stream. It came from Godfidence. Godfidence. People are like, man, come on, bro. Godfidence. It came from Godfidence. His courage and confidence was completely in God. See, self-confidence comes from myself. Like I'm, like, and there's nothing wrong with being self-confident. I, I encourage that in our lives. I want my children to be confident in their lives. But it comes from ourselves. And, you know, I was talking to someone earlier and, and, and we're talking about this person's a strong person. And that's great. But sometimes our self-confidence, our strength in ourselves can be a weakness. And we actually need to be weak before God because guess what? Then we can pick up God's strength to then face the Goliaths and the giants in our lives. Let me tell you something. If David did not have confidence in God, not a self-confidence, but a Godfidence, he would not have been able to face Goliath today. I'm telling you that right now. He would not have been able to face the giant. Godfidence comes from God and it points to God. I love that how he says that God will go before me. God will bring me the victory. It's always about God. Can I say today, confidence is always pointing to Jesus. It's like, hey God, I'm going to step out in faith because I believe you're going to move, but I don't want it to be building my kingdom or promoting my name. I want to be promoting your name, Jesus. In an Elevation Church, we always point people to Jesus Christ. If you're looking for a person from the stage or the name of the church or something along those things to be able to be the thing that gets you through the week, can I tell you, you're missing the point. It's Jesus Christ. It's going to get you through the week. He's the answer. David saw God stronger and bigger than Goliath, so he boldly went out to fight knowing that God would give him victory over Goliath and that would point people to God's power and faithfulness. As, we, as I finish this morning, I just want to leave you with two quick challenges this morning. If you write this down, it's going to be very, very quick. Two quick things. Number one, stop delaying. Today, church, let's stop delaying. Is there something you're delaying that you should be facing 
or stepping into? Is it, are you like the armies of Israel that are delaying the fight and then David comes along? Is there something, you know, if I had this or if I had that or if I've had some other thing or I'm not qualified enough or if I had, I'm too busy or I need Saul's armor. Church today, let's stop delaying. Hey God, you're with me. I'm stepping out of faith. Let's stop delaying. Be confident and step into it. Number one, stop delaying. Number two, I said it'd be quick. Number two, stop faking. Are you faking it? Trying to pass yourself off as someone else or something that you're not. You know, this ideal that you see, you think, oh, I've got to be like that. So I'm going to pass myself off as that. Wishing you were someone else. Wanting to impress people but not being who you really are. Who God called you to be. Can I tell you something today? You are wonderful. God made you who you are. Step into it. Embrace who God made you as you are. I'm not saying stay where you are. I'm not saying live a life unsanctified. I'm saying do those things. Become more like Jesus. But don't think that you don't have what it takes because you think you have to be someone else. You're not Saul. You're you. God will use the real you, not the fake you. 3,000 years ago, David had a choice. And today, 3,000 years later, we also have a choice today to put our trust in God, to put our faith in Him, to have confidence in God and who He is, what He said He will do. And it took courage. Can I tell you today, like, I'm going to tell you, like, we read the story and it's just like, man, this David guy, he arrives and he's just straight out to it. But I'm going to tell you something. I reckon it took a lot of courage. I reckon there were some butterflies in his chest. I reckon his heart was pumping as he went out. And so today for our lives, it's going to take courage at times for us to fully trust God with what's going on in our lives. I don't, I don't know everything that's, I don't know, I probably don't know a lot about what's going on in your life. You might be facing something today that's big, that's, that's a giant. I'm not downplaying that. I'm not downplaying that at all. But what I want to encourage you today, have courage in God. Trust God. I know it's not easy. There's been moments in my life I've faced things. It's been hard. It's been tough. You might be in that season right now. But take courage in God today. Would you take courage in the giants that you face, that God is with you? See, God is greater than our giants. Do you believe it? Our God is greater. He's stronger. He's more powerful. He's more all-knowing. He sees all things today in this place as we close right now, if you close your eyes, Jesus, today I declare over this place, Jesus, over lives this morning, God, here in this building, Jesus, in homes as people are watching on the live stream, God, in the podcast in weeks and months to come, I just declare right now, Jesus, that we are a people who are confident in you, God, who have faith in you today, Jesus. God, I just pray courage in our lives.